Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I'm back in your ears because I can't stop making podcast episodes. Today's guests are Yomi Udegake and Elizabeth Uvebenene. They are the authors of the long-awaited inspirational guide to life and careers for a generation of black British women. The book has been everywhere. It came out this week. It's already been included in Elle's top 12 books that you have to read in 2018, the Metro's best new books, and also the BBC's hotly anticipated debut authors for 2018. Yomi and Elizabeth are best friends. They search for a book that addressed the challenges of young black women in Britain and realised that the book didn't really exist yet. So they wrote Slay in Your Lane, The Black Girl Bible, It's described as the love child of exasperation and optimism. From education to work to dating to representation to money and health, the two women cover pretty much everything and it's really inspirational, really honest and very provocative. The book offers advice and encouragement from the authors themselves, but they also interview a wealth of incredible black women in Britain who are very successful, including Charlene White, Jamelia, Denise Lewis, Mallory Blackman, Dawn Butler MP, and so much more. Yomi is an award-winning journalist. She is a senior writer currently at The Pool. She writes about race, feminism, popular culture, and how they intersect, as well as class and politics. And I really recommend you following Yomi on social media everywhere and just reading everything she writes because it is always just so on point. Elizabeth is a former marketing manager and she has been a massive part of the marketing campaign for the book, has a degree in politics and international relations and specialises in creating marketing campaigns that are both culturally progressive and commercially relevant. So hope you enjoyed this episode. I went into HarperCollins on a lovely, sweaty, hot day um, and spoke to them both. And it was just such an inspiring chat. I absolutely love them. I think that they are paving the way for a lot of people as well who want to make waves in the publishing world. So hope you enjoy this one. And here it is. My name is Elizabeth. Um, you've ever been there. I'm Yomi Adega Kay. Hi. So you've had the craziest whirlwind not even weeks, like months leading up to this. Years. How? <laughs> I feel so lucky to be in your company during this mad week. So can we just start by how are you feeling and how much work has it taken to get to this point where you can kind of sit back and just watch the book fly? At the moment, honest, like being absolutely honest, knackered. I am so, I have not been tired like this in years, probably since exams. Like, because mm. like, my body does this thing where when I get super tired, I can't sleep. It's like the worst mechanism ever where it's like I, I get less sleep. So now I'm just like super tired. I'm like always really sort of like, yeah, I'm just massively sleepy. But then at the same time, it's like I'm so wired because I'm just so excited and I keep waking yeah. up and going, oh, is this real? Like holding myself, being like, is this really happening? So it's like a really weird sort of mix of emotions. But at the moment more positive than anything i just wish i could get a nap in that'd be great yeah i think i just feel so overwhelmed um but it's weird i don't necessarily show how i feel on the outside um and yomi was accusing me of not like really taking it all in so um i think for the past the book hasn't been out for a week yet it feels as if it's been out for a lot longer um so at this moment in time i'm like i need a day to just take everything all in because it's just one thing after the other but i think 
and I'm speaking for me and Yomi as well, we just feel so grateful mm. about the support from people online, when we see people on the streets, on our mm. book signings, and also just like, honestly grateful for like the amount of publicity and everything that's yeah. surrounded it, because we wanted to have that visibility um not just because oh my god we wanted to be famous and all that sort of stuff mm. absolutely all kind of like you know out there but we wanted to kind of what well, we wanted other people to see and young people to see that there are two girls doing this there are two normal girls doing this mm. it's it's been absolutely amazing to watch like it's so inspiring i think also it's kind of nice when you do hear people being like oh my god this is crazy and i felt the same with um being well I don't know if I can call myself young anymore I'm 29 you are oh, young I mean please do I, I mean but, we're not far off but yeah no young as in um not a teenager anymore obviously but still young to be writing a business book mm. and I think that's part of the in- inspiration behind the book is mm. yeah you can. you can you know your stuff yeah absolutely because I that, that was the reason why I called Yomi it was definitely the point of me thinking I need this product, um, I know someone who can write it and write it well, and that was what the kind of spurred the conversation um, on into it being obviously a book. So um, there's been massive imposter syndrome in terms of even after like we got the book deal and it was like real, like you have to do this now legally, mm. and if you don't then you're in like you know you're on shit so Mm. even at that moment i had to really think oh my god can i actually do this like it was it's great and all but this is something am i the best person to write this book i know yomi can write and i know she can write brilliantly but am i i don't i i think the feelings i'd never wanted to be the spare part of this book Mm. where it felt like i was slotted in as a as a kind of like oh because she came up with the idea i wanted to actually contribute really well to this book so it was definitely a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of like nights where I was like oh my god and a lot of phone calls and Mm. pet talks to be like you can actually do this it's actually funny that you're like because you thought I could do it and then I thought you could do it I think there's a lot of passing the buck because it's like (laughs) we really believe I think a lot of our phone conversations genuinely have just been us doing like gassing each other up and you can do it girl you're gonna be great kind of thing so when she called me and was like oh I have this idea for a book can you do it and she was like shoving it to me being like I I was literally shoving it back like oh well we can do it together because I literally Mm -hmm. thought this is a brilliant idea but then I genuinely again I don't even know if it was just I think initially like yeah imposter syndrome because I definitely thought this is not something I have the like right or I'm able to do by myself but I think it was a combination of that but then also knowing that I knew Elizabeth could write and it was something that we'd have like conversations about a lot when she was kind of like oh, I don't really think I can write and I'd be like but, but you can because it's like mm-hmm. when we were at uni together and stuff I was like reading when we read each other's essays I'd be like but that's writing <laughs> you got your 2-1 for a reason that's literally that's exactly what you just have to do it's the exact same process kind of thing yeah. so I think that weird imposter syndrome kind of led us to it's that idea yeah. that we weren't really sure in ourselves but we definitely had that confidence in each other so we Absolutely. both were like so nice. it's crazy we are both just like you can do it no you can do it okay if we do it together we'll be an absolute force Force. and I think we always say that like this book would not look anything like it does now if either of us had done it separately absolutely Absolutely impossible like all the things that it's become in terms of the interviewees in terms of it being not just about work in terms of it being like you know from the front cover to everything it's every detail we've we've literally just built it up like little ideas from each other and just kind of made it into this massive thing that without each other's sort of what's the word skills and specialities it just wouldn't it just wouldn't be like because your marketing aside from obviously writing very well like the people always ask us about the campaign and it's like i couldn't i could not have done that whilst i've contributed being like oh this is a good idea whatever it's like she's literally like a marketing like genius she went like oh gosh but do you know what i mean and i think that marketing i think it was so 
crucial because one thing we kept saying was that like black books inverted commas are always sort of presented in this really particular way and especially when the conversation is about race mm-hmm. it's always this kind of like drudgery yeah like oh you know we're talking about race so things have got to be really kind of like somber and and understandably because it's like it's a really like thorny subject but we were like you know we want this to be as we don't like the time like it's because self-help is like you know you Mm. can't we always say you can't slay your way out of systematic racism but we're trying to be like okay this is we do want it to be like a guide we want it to be positive we want it to be inspirational but so we really wanted like the imagery and the kind of like branding and campaign around it to reflect that so it was like all so intentional that's why you've got this like magenta like fuchsia colored book with all these like gold lines on it because we wanted it to be like we are discussing really sort of heavy issues but then there's also going to be jokes and anecdotes and again if elizabeth hadn't had that like eye in terms of being able to work out how to get that message across it just wouldn't be the same book at all yeah and it it definitely i've always felt like it's very much for everyone to read absolutely even though it says the black girl bible on it like literally that was was intentional because i remember we actually said when we were talking about about looking at it we wanted it to be like we want this to look nice so that if you're a white girl if you're an asian girl if you're a white man if you're a black man you walk in and go oh this is a really striking we didn't we say coffee table book like we always wanted a coffee table book yeah I think it's relatable when people talk about that fear at the beginning, putting like um, pen to paper, but also finding an agent and all that stuff. But also, you guys own it as well. Like, mm. I, you know, that's the whole point of the book mm. is actually screw all of that. Um, I'm really good and I can really own what, what I'm doing and my future and my career. Do you find that that's, there's like a balance in that? I think, if I'm so honest, I think it's a daily battle and challenge because you, it's a daily battle and challenge because you want to do great things and it's just working out exactly how. And then sometimes, a lot of the time, I have like massive kind of imposter syndrome, but not on other people's lives, but I can be so positive about like what Yomi's doing and be so like, oh my God, you should like, yeah, I can totally see you doing this and that and that. But it's, I I think the balance can be, especially, I think sometimes is, you're never as bad as they say you are, but you're never as good as they say you are. So it's that balance. Mm. And I think when I remember that, it puts me on the right path again to know that don't get too big for your boots, but also you look how far you've come. Um, so even with all the praise we're getting for the book, um, that's great. Um, but it's also me also remembering that you're never as good as they say you are. And, and it, it's not... A, it's not a way I'm putting down myself, but it's a way that I centre myself on, essentially, I am one of how many billion people on this earth, and no matter how great people tell you you are, you have to kind of remember, like, essentially, like, who you are. Not, yeah. I'm not, this book is great, and but still, I'm Yomi's best friend, first and foremost, mm-hmm. not her co-author. So there's little things that kind of remind you. Um, so it's that balance that yeah. I would say. I love that, because actually, as well, with the myths of what people put on women is a lot of it is like oh you can't work in you know together or be similar and work together and support each other and i think like you said the fact that it is two women writing this together well the message there is very strong like this sisterhood and the support and the what we were saying before so many women now are coming Mm. together feeling like that force I mean, were there any challenges between you or was it all just like totally plain sailing? As in, if people are listening and they yeah. want to maybe not write a book with someone, yeah. but launch a company with someone, yeah. are there yeah. any like tips on what not to do? Oh, well, I think the 
what to like to start from what to do i think respect is so integral and i think that is genuinely why we get on so well and why writing this i mean we'd never sit here and be like we've never fallen out about the book we've never had tiffs about the book we've never argued around the book but a like it's always i think genuinely it it's never even crossed into the next day because we're not like that anyway i mean we used to, we literally used to live in my like familial home with my mum. so like my mum literally sees her as her daughter so she does not want her kids fighting <laughs> like she's very much yeah. we can't afford to like literally she's like best friends with both of my sisters like we're, we're really really close so there's only so far our arguments can go but i think like we've been through a lot anyway like throughout uni um you know anyone that's read the or will read the university chapter knows that it wasn't the plainest of sailing for us at uni it was like a difficult period of time we it was very much us against the world which is why i think a lot of people who went to our university genuinely probably answer they're probably surprised we're writing a book we wrote a book well it still feels so new but they <laughs> definitely wouldn't be surprised we did it together because everybody knew that we were like really ridiculously close but i think it's that thing of because i've never just seen elizabeth as like oh she's my best friend it's like she's my best friend and i really massively respect her i've always said that that i rate her i rate her very highly and that's why i'd always say like oh i think you can do anything i think you should do all this other stuff because i have a lot of respect for her i think she's incredibly talented and smart and just very good at what she does so it would be very difficult for me to be dismissive of her opinions we have not agreed on everything yeah. we've been very lucky that we've had a vision that's very closely aligned so even when we come at it from different angles it usually meets in the middle yeah. but i respect her so if she's like i think we should do it this way and i'm like i think we should do it that way i'm never going to dismiss her idea or like belittle it because i know she's coming from a place of to be honest as like expertise like she was a she well yeah you've left now <laughs> so yeah. she was a marketing manager she was promoted very quickly like she's good at her job so if she's coming at me and saying i think we should do it this way and i'm like i think we should do it that way she's coming from a place of expertise mm -hmm. and i think that's and how she saw me as a writer where yeah. i'd be like you know going through stuff and going oh maybe you should word it like this and even if she didn't agree it's, it's, she was never like dismissive or disrespectful mm -hmm. like was there was i think respect came even before the kind of like love like oh besties like it really was like just genuine respect for each other's opinions and ideas because i think once you're working from that place it doesn't even matter if you're friends or not it's very difficult to be dismissive and like kind of horrible or bad to somebody that you respect even if my dad always used to say to me even if people don't like you they have to respect you so i think respect's always been like a massive thing for me so yeah i've always respected elizabeth elizabeth's always respected me so um yeah it's like it's you had really clearly great. defined roles in a way yeah. Uh, yeah we really did and i was gonna say as well with that it's um working with someone it is also about knowing their strengths. I think that if you sure. you need to be able once you respect that person, know their strengths and know why that what they can bring to the table. Mm. And and it, it doesn't mean even if you respect your best friend and you know they're great, but if, if their strength isn't in a particular thing, then you have to be honest and just say it's yeah. probably not the best like thing for us to work together. Mm. But I think with the respect, the foundation of that, being able to know your strengths and the other person's strengths and how what you guys can bring together to create something that will keep you that that is I guess like the sweet spot because you can both like really contribute to something that really that's really great that's better than you that's that's more impactful mm. um and yeah i think that's definitely i think that's what's really helped us yeah it's well. funny even how we split up instagram it's like elizabeth's always doing like even for her own personal account she's like i don't know what to caption i'm not cool yeah. i'm an auntie so she's like can you teach and i'll be like i'll oh, put this lyric like put this thing and then it's like the insta stories i'm literally i'm the auntie like i don't know how to do instagram stories mine are really corny and then elizabeth's like okay i'm doing the instagram stories on the account we haven't like, we just we just, we just know we just split falls. things yeah, really quickly exactly really 50 50 and really kind of like she knows what she's good at i know yeah. i'm good at and we just even with there. like the Such chapters yeah even with the chapters of the book like it was so easy just to even think about it it was very yeah. much like oh do you want to do this bit yep i think you're better talking about this yep yeah. let's do this and exactly. it was very easy i love 
the quotes and the experts and the kind of inspirations that you've added into the book, although your voices are like the strongest thing in the book, you've it's nice that you've kind of included like a wider um, extension of it. it. It felt really focused mm. and that you picked everyone for a reason. Yeah, it was tough because everybody always say, or everybody's always said that, did you guys have like a number that you decided to kind of go on? Um, and Sorry, you've just got um, eyeliner. eyeliner. Yeah. Like 39 it's women, it's like really, thank you. Good job it's a podcast, because I right? think I've got um, lipstick all over my mouth. <laughs> no, you don't. I, just you don't. Had, I just had a brace fitted, so. Oh, nice. As in <laughs> retainers, but. Oh, oh my God, I have retainers. Yeah. Anyway, this is why I like doing podcasts. Yeah, right. you just <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. No, you look great though, guys. Oh, thanks. Can't wait for the picture afterwards. Um, <laughs> 39 interviewees is a very random number. We didn't wake up and go, it is 39 people <laughs> going to interview at all. Um, we kind of just, I think in our heads, just wanted like amazing women. So once we kind of realised that we always wanted to have British women, it was just a, a, um, it was always just about us pulling that together and saying, okay, which women did you admire growing up? Which women do you admire now? Which women do you see? And it's very much like we pull that together into a really long list and then we just kind of like cut it down in terms of, right, okay, so how are we going to get these women? And what can they speak to? And I think- Were there any th- moments of like, yes, they oh said my, yes? Uh, the biggest Karen moment for me Blackett. was like Karen Blackett because <laughs> she's like my ultimate girl crush. <laughs> and um, so when we when we had all the pitching meetings, we um, we went to all these publishers and like the first, well, first maybe like the fifth question from me was, so can you get Karen Blackett? Mm. That was like my number one thing. <laughs> um, and because I work in marketing and she's obviously a media like mm. um, maestro. And then Yomi, um, when we got her, Yomi called me literally like it was like seven o'clock in the morning and she was like, guess what? And I was like, what? And she went, oh my God, we got Karen Blackett. And I was like, oh my god so that was definitely like an oh my god moment yeah I think mine was Mallory Blackman yeah, yeah. that was just loved her well. so much and she just and I think it's that thing as well so many of the like literally all of the women but especially Mallory it's just that thing where you have this idea of what someone's going to be like and you're like oh please be like that and she really yeah. is and was and she's just obviously she's like a storyteller and like when she was telling us stories and stuff it was just like oh this is why you are literally like one of the best writers in this country because she just tells stories so well and she's so funny and like I think she's just so key in terms of like not even just black British childhoods but general British childhoods like in terms of what she writes and stuff like she's really shaped a lot of people's um you know she really uh, when I think about like um I, I told her this that when I saw the front cover of her, one of her books Pick Our Boy which like the protagonist was a young black boy who I can't even remember the story but I know he had a pig's heart because mm. of, of a condition he had and I saw the front cover and it was a black boy in the front cover I remember thinking oh what's this book going to be about what what like is this set in apartheid or what racist like you know what i mean what's the racist kind of like situation this boy's gonna be going through what kind of like hardship in terms of race is he gonna be going to, through and then when i read it and it was just like it had nothing to do with that at all and it was just like the kind of story that would usually obviously have like a white protagonist because it's just nothing to do with race and it's just kind of like this boy who happens to have a pig's heart in his life I was like you can write stories about black people that aren't hinged on the fact that they're victims of racism and then when I found out Mallory was black I was like you can be a black woman and write stories that are about black people that aren't hinged on racism it was just like mind-boggling to me and that was in primary school so when we got her I was just like oh my god like she was just everything we hoped and more yeah like, she was absolutely. great I love that. I, I was wondering actually if you thought there was anything that just like publishers can be doing because I was actually talking to a friend last night and she's written a children's book and she wanted um, the protagonist on the cover to be kind of like a shadow or a silhouette. Mm. It's 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 the girl, but you're but it's just like her reflection mm. and it's very vague. Mm. And she was like, I just don't want 
anyone reading it and already thinking who the what the girl looks mm, like yeah i was gonna say i think it's just so interesting that example you gave because again going back to mallory she wrote a book two black female protagonists and a white protagonist um a trio of friends she sold the rights to tv this is in the book but she sold the rights to tv for a film she went to go and watch the screening of the film and then they just changed it to um and and bear in mind mallory's black author and the characters were canonically is that is that canonically canon canon basically they were black and one white girl and female um she went to watch the screening and they were turned into three white boys it's just that idea of like i think that what you're saying about your friends um book sounds so that's like brilliant i, I love that idea of like yeah. you know the shadow thing but i think even before that it's just that thing of just allowing uh, children of every race to just know that you can and this goes for white kids as well just knowing that you can be and there can be an asian kid that you know is at hogwarts and there is a there can be a black child at hogwarts kind of thing and they don't always have to play the kind of like best friend and they and they can be protagonists because i think the reason that's the first conversation we should be having is because i and every pretty much black or asian or child that's not white in this country has grown up reading children's books that have had white protagonists and have been able to somehow see ourselves in those characters even though we've never they've never been written with us in mind like one of my mm -hmm. favorite authors when i was growing up was Roald Dahl and it's like i as far as i'm aware there was literally never any black characters mm -hmm. and i still grew to absolutely love the books um and and still saw myself in character like charlie and like i'm always saying using the harry potter example where I'm, like, I'm not a white male wizard but i saw myself in harry potter and saw myself in ron and things like that and yeah. hermione and i think that's why I'm, like, i think the, the starting point is not just for even black kids but to normalize for white children for children of all colors yeah. that that black children and asian children are not put in this world to be your sidekicks like they can sometimes be the harry potter they can sometimes be like even like imagine a harry potter where it was like hermione granger that's that's the that's the headline hermione granger and the goblet of fire or whatever like we need to normalize those realities and those well, not realities but like fantasies because that is reality i think Shonda Rhimes said something like, you know, when you know people of colour in real life, you know they're nobody's sidekick in real life. Like, mm. that black women, black men, Asian men, Asian women, whatever, have such, like, we have our own lives and our own dreams and our own, and we're not always supposed to be, like, sitting in the shadow of, like, I remember somebody made a joke saying that if you went to the um, apartment of most, like, black besties in films, it wouldn't be furnished because they don't have a life outside of, like, share horowitz or whatever yeah. what do you know what i mean or whatever yeah. kind of white protagonist and i think that's what we need to be normalizing that you know what there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeing a white boy play second fiddle to a black girl because that's why i think what's that film that ava duvernay oh, did wrinkle in time yeah that's i was why, just thinking mm, of that honestly yeah. the most important thing of that film yeah. was just who that girl what, what the, the dynamics around her because yeah. we're never going to get in a position where that is the like where white boys start having a crisis of oh are we second fiddle because every kind of book up to this point has had them at the centre and I feel like, you know, children are so malleable and open and they happily read books about, like, they'll absolutely love to read books about, like, Asian kids doing things, black kids doing things set in different places. They're not going to be like, oh, I can't relate because I'm white and this doesn't speak to me because we didn't mm -hmm. do that when we were kids. We yeah. saw white kids and we thought, I want to be Peter Pan, I want to be, do you know what I mean? We all yeah. just get used to it and, yeah. yeah, it just needs to reflect what the actual world looks like, essentially. Yeah. That's such a good point because yeah. when you're a kid like you're just like soaking in the world you're just soaking in the world and it's like then you have it sounds really stupid like a tenuous link but seriously it's like you you look in books and it's like the white man is the star and he's the he's the, he's the you know protagonist and then he's got these sidekicks that one's a person of color let's say probably a boy and then they've got the white girl and that's that's how life is the white boy at the center and on, on top and then he's got a person of color and then a, a white woman as second fiddle and then you go into the workplace like 
20 years later and it's literally like you've got a white male boss and then the black man or black woman is like in the second like second role and then a woman and that's li it literally is like just this self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. it sounds silly but it really is just like we get so used to the imagery of like white men specifically being the person that you're meant to be focused on and then yeah well this is why your book is thank god it is out there and and that it's in every bookshop in like the planet right now in the windows because i before when i was saying you know the the bestseller list for business is so white and american and men and old men like yeah. confident men in suits mm -hmm. and it's like most people look at that and think how can i infiltrate that mm. and so What's really exciting is like you have written this business book and you are just saying, here, here we are. Do you feel like, it, is your aim for people to read it and just be like, right, I'm gonna do the same? Did you have any sort of hopes for the readers of the book? Yeah. Um, so interesting because like Yomi said, the kind of pinnacle of success is a white man in a suit. And I think the thing about slaying in your own lane is kind of like not prescribe, not telling anybody about how they should be and how they should look to kind of get that route to success. And it's working out that own their own definition of success. And I think that's kind of at the heart of, if you take away, if you strip back what this whole book is about, like and strip it all back, it's the bare bones is, working out what that definition of success is for you and it's, it needs to be external to what people prescribe for you to like for you to be and your parents and and what you see on the on the media that's important but it's really kind of working out what that is for you and um in terms of like like business books and what we kind of want people to kind of get out of it is with all these different women and all their different stories and the different backgrounds they're from you can also do it whatever that is you can actually kind of work out what that life you want for yourself and um we there's a chapter on entrepreneurship in a book that talks about um a lot of black women and are starting are leaving corporate workspaces and going into starting businesses and side hustles and all these things yeah. and um there's the reason why they're doing it is because they're looking up at their kind of like the hierarchy in work and the corporate spaces or just in office jobs and they look at their bosses are, are white males and his boss is a white male and his boss is a white male and before you even get to a personal colour you've got a you've got like five people five, five white men called Chris's essentially before you get to a white before you get to a personal colour so it's kind of and because of that they're kind of not seeing the definition of success, of success they want and then leaving I guess for what I think it's really important is I'm not we're not prescribed, we're not telling black girls or people to kind of say, oh, you can't work in corporate work spaces. You've got to, you know, do creative stuff and be, and do side hustles. It's, I think one of the things we learned from, especially like Karen Black is, when we met her, she was obviously a, like a big deal. She is like, and she had red streaks in her hair. She was just so normal. I think that is what I really want people to get, get out of it. And I think it's important for people to be themselves as much as possible and infrastructure and places to allow them to be themselves whatever that is mm -hmm. so we can actually like Yomi said in terms of like looking looking at representation spot that oh okay that actually I can be myself in this and they're not fleeing and going to different areas that they think in different um, um, particular jobs that they think they they can then thrive in you can thrive here yeah. The, the problem isn't you, it's the actual infrastructure, yeah. essentially. That is so true, because so sometimes true. I feel really shallow when I talk about, like, fashion and jobs. But as in, when I go to tech conferences, yeah. it's like a sea of grey suits. Oh. And, I, and I'm wearing, like, I don't know, like, a massive leopard print mm. sofa coat <laughs> You love something. a pop of colour. But, oh, like, but I'm do. just, like, I just... Love it. I, I'm, I'm, like, put this mad 
something on. Not that mad, just a bit of colour. Um, and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should go, maybe I should go and get changed. Like, maybe I'll just fit in a bit more if I don't wear this. I think it's interesting. Vanessa Kingori, um, one of our interviewees, the um, publishing director of Vogue, she was she made the point, which is oh, just... I was gonna say oh, you're going to say yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, great mind. Yeah. That as black women, we're going to stand out anyway. Um, you, you, you can't avoid that sort of double scrutiny and just that sort of extra attention because if you're sort of in a particular space you're likely to be the only black woman for sure um if if not the only person of color so um she was sort of talking about sort of making the most of it and sort of utilizing that immediate kind of like ability to stand out and just sort of using it to your advantage um say you know you using the fact that you're going to stand out in meetings to sort of make that smart point that everyone can then easily attribute to you and because you're not gonna exactly be lost in a sea of chrises oh you you stand out as a black woman and i think for us it's like it's it's interesting because like you know we very much we very much wear the fact that you know elizabeth's from peckham and i'm from croydon we wear it very much on our sort of head and we're very kind of like vocal about it and we're very very much i mean you can see what we're wearing now like when we're not exactly kind of like um corporate and we're not exactly kind of like we're aware that there's especially with all the press that there's like an increased level of visibility but i wouldn't say that that you still get those kind of fears i suppose about how you come across but i would say that we so much about this book has been about trying to be authentic and trying to you know genuinely portray ourselves and in the way that and sorry in the way that we actually are if that makes sense um and i think that's why so many young black women in particular have like sent us so many messages not just via our um sort of saying your lane like instagram or an account but just our own personal accounts and and because i think they really do feel like there is no difference between me and these girls like where they're growing where they've grown up if it's not that exact area then you know people say like you can't really tell one ends from the other like you know there's if you didn't grow up in Croydon but you grew up in like Tottenham if you didn't grow up in Peckham but you grew up in like another sort of similar area with a you know high black or ethnic minority population if you went to state school if you have Nigerian or just any immigrant parents if if you know you're the first person which I'm not and I, and Elizabeth not but a lot of people are like the first person in your family to have like gone to university if you speak with slang um which is something someone else pointed out in an interview, which was like, oh, there's quite a lot of slang in the book. You know, was that intentional? And it's like, that's, it wasn't intentional, but it's, it was intentional that's in the fact that that's how we talk. Mm. You know what I mean? That's, that's how we talk. And, and I was making the joke the other day that, you know, people are going to sort of hear us like code switching across the BBC because it's like, you do kind of have, you know, when we're on like, um, we're still definitely being ourselves because that is like one facet of ourselves. You know, you go into like BBC breakfast and you're slightly more like, you know, on it and you're a bit more, you know, how you'd be perhaps, in a more work environment and then we're on one extra and it's like you know your your whole your real not real but your another kind of accent comes out and i think yeah like it's been very much um i don't know i think authenticity essentially has just been at the core of this so i honestly can one thing i do do is often sort of flip my septum up i admit that <laughs> i have for in a quite a few different sort of like press things flipped it up but in terms of like hair and like outfits and stuff i think very much just done what we'd always do because the attentions to be honest if no matter how conservative we dress no matter what we do we're still black and yeah. we're still girls so that scrutiny would come anyway i think so many people have been looking at your marketing campaign and just being like wow because 
there's like six million books on Amazon or something. Like what? six million. Oh, oh, hundred thousand. That's why million. when you guys said that, I was quiet because I thought mm-hmm, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> No, you were like, mm. so I kept saying it and you went, she kept saying, yeah. I'm sure it's 100,000 of the time. I don't think that's right, but I'll leave it to it. It's, me- it's, cr- it's crazy how many books are published. We, we, realized, you know and, yeah, yeah. we didn't know. And actually, like, yeah. you should you should be so proud. Obviously, it's an incredible book. It was, it was always going to be this, like, successful thing. You kind of do have to be quite entrepreneurial, don't you, about releasing things and being known and, like, the personal brand stuff. Mm. Obviously, you guys work incredibly hard as well, but... Was there anything, any key takeaways from like that sort of launch process of like what worked? With this book from the get-go, it wasn't just going to be just words on a page. So I think the way we it's wrote it... Yeah, exactly. <coughs> and the way we wrote it with the kind of... in the, the goal was always to bring the words to life. And how we were going to do that was going to be using colour, how, which, which particular colour we were going to use, using a particular font. What were we trying to make people feel? So essentially what I'm saying is not everybody will read the reviews and then essentially read the book. From the get-go, saw it as a campaign. Um, we didn't do the campaign afterwards. We did it right at the beginning. Um, and it took a long time of just being consistent, um, really working out exactly how we wanted to kind of bring to life all these different elements of the book and who we also admired as well. Like, honestly, as much as we're definitely not saying this because we're on your podcast, but you're one of those people that we saw and admired and we went, we were like, okay, em, okay, Emma's doing this. Okay, that's something that we've always been very aware of other people who we admired and mm-hmm. also people were like, oh, okay, so this is possible. This is like, you can really like get inspiration from. So so it's definitely a combination of just like from the get-go we knew what we wanted from the book and I think we had a really strong vision about it and um, I think that was and being consistent I think sometimes it's not always about you know being really like out there and doing different different things it's about making sure that whatever you want to achieve you're kind of being consistent with it if it's we would we were very very strict to ourselves in our social media like we would post every single day and like to a point where even we had we have full-time jobs so it was very hard to kind of do all of that be active on the you know on the timeline but also make sure that we said yes to everything mm-hmm. and we really did we, we used to we went to so many different events and like things were just like literally 20 people just really really kind of low-key things and grassroots things and that was intentional because we didn't just want to kind of pop up and go hi we're in the times hi we're in Elle magazine we wanted people to see our progression and that was also quite important and I think because we we knew that the book was coming out 2018 we had the um it was important for us to kind of build that momentum to a point where you do have this explosion of like oh my god look at these two girls Mm -hmm. so that journey was important for us to kind of take people on um so people are invested as well in the fact that we are doing something like that is yes it's really great but also that it's it's going to hopefully change people's lives and spark mm. a really good conversation yeah that is so i was just going to say yeah. just literally exactly what elizabeth said and just adding the fact that we really knew our demographic as well we knew how you know hyper engaged really socially like really socially engaged like on twitter and on instagram loads of people have asked us several times why does your twitter why does your book have a twitter account like why does your book have an instagram account why does it have a facebook page but it's because we know how black women specifically and that's diasporically use the internet and in terms of it's no coincidence that you know if we saw you know for instance the vogue cover the recent um one with um oh on the cover where she looks yeah. absolutely phenomenal yeah. we like those that kind of content we'd like 
share those images we share images of black british women that were just doing things we share stories of black british women that were doing amazing things and especially because black british women are sidelined so much within the mainstream media we became that kind of hotspot for like curating what's going on in black britain what's going on with black british women and i think because we're such a celebratory group of people um you know it didn't take long before people kind of it was just so much positivity on the page and people would kind of be like we'd have these amazing images and people would like start retweeting them loads and and it start going viral like we we posted something about how many black women had been um elected to um i think it was parliament yeah but yeah yeah and it was like a record number and no one else had picked up on it because nobody <laughs> most people don't to be frank give a shit about what black british women are doing but we picked up on it and it got thousands of retweets because we'd actually just noticed that something had happened and there's loads of things like that and and as elizabeth said we did not want to crop up and suddenly be in all these mainstream pu publications so we did a lot of grassroots but we know our demographic is slightly more wary of like mainstream like um outlets because they've obviously you know sidelined black people in the past and sometimes done us dirty in terms of representation so we were like we have to build that trust we have to really be authentic and you know it took us two years we've been running we've had that account yeah. since 2015 um see that's so incredible and we've been consistently posting because yeah. I, I think that's so key as well for people who might see you in the times and be like oh they you know overnight, overnight success and i think all. it's funny when people say like oh how long did it take you to write the multi-hyphen method i was like well there's a youtube video of me from 2010 talking about this stuff like wow. it, it takes a long time yeah, to kind you, of form these things and do you think that because you are a young woman they that whole like overnight success is like they label that mm. they are quick to say that as a criticism because if you were a an older a male they would not that wouldn't be the first criticism Absolutely. at yeah. all no it's true Look at cardi b yeah people yes. are like oh that happened overnight yeah she's been oh, she's years. Been, yeah absolutely and i love actually that she reminds people of that and also yeah. it's it's like the self self-published author like the the tapes the mixtapes when when she would make her own music oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah yeah but exactly. and it's like well yeah. so she's like an original self-published yeah, diy exactly. yeah, gonna do it proper myself vines and yeah I mean, that's probably yeah. we really respect like ortega as well yeah because she's someone she published, yeah. yeah she's someone oh, you can see her progression in terms of we have her original book like her mm, original same. first thing yeah <laughs> and it's and it's important and i think that's the thing about like and it's we shouldn't have to you know keep saying this but it's important for us to kind of tell our stories that's just more mm. than just like the end product and just and talk about our lives a bit more in terms of this is where we're from this is the background this is how we've got here and um, mm. because we are constantly having to prove ourselves because if you're a white male that's you know you know ceo of doing whatever you wouldn't be expected to you know keep proving yourself and mm. that's tasking Explain because you, got yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't because, you wouldn't get like a Chris being like, oh, let me let me justify why I'm here. No, absolutely not. He just comes and tells you, like, that I'm here to talk about this. Yeah, not exactly. this is the journey of, and it's tasking. Yeah, but yeah. I think by doing that, sometimes it then helps you, I guess, with your imposter syndrome because, mm, in a weird way, absolutely. you know that this wasn't an accident. I was always yeah. meant to be here. Yeah, I was always 100%. meant to slay my lane. Like yeah. this wasn't an accident. It's easy to forget that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you felt this, but when you see the finished product like shining in a in a shop window, you, I, I mean, I find that I'm like, how did that happen again? Like, For but then real. I'm like, hang on a minute, it, that was really hard, and you should really enjoy that yeah. you've done it. Absolutely. I, like, it's I not follow easy. you on Insta stories and like Instagram, so I see like when you were like, oh, I've got my first draft in. So mm. I, I used to do that. Try my best to do that as well. So people 
see that journey that mm. yes I used to struggle with like literally I'd be there with no makeup being like hi oh my god I'm writing a bit of a chapter and but, that's what we did on the account yeah we tried our best to do that yeah. documenting the interviews showing people that we'd honestly ask people who do you want to see interviewed in this book because we wanted them to know we're still in the process of doing it and yeah. that you know it's funny because a lot of people like we had as we mentioned we had the account nearly a year no actually yeah definitely a solid amount of months before we even had a book deal that's how serious yeah, we were about it. we bought yeah. we bought the domain we bought we, we took the facebook page because we were so sure that like this was that we wanted something but we had no backing except like, each other really but it, it's it, inspiring because it's like you just start just yeah. do, just start now yeah. so when our three years twitter anniversary came up i was like we have to tweet that out so people know we've had this account for three years before it's like oh you see us in the observer and you think we just literally woke up it's like absolutely not yeah, yeah. so just last Lastly, um, what are you excited about coming up? And it doesn't have to be—it doesn't have to be book related, but obviously it might be because it's exciting times. But <laughs> what am I looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? I'm really—I'm look- looking forward to Ake Festival. We're going to Nigeria. Yeah, we're going to Nigeria. Yeah. Yes, we've been invited. We've been invited yeah. to Nigeria, which is we're both Nigerian. Like, I was born there. Just born in Lagos. Like, I haven't been there since 2012. It's been a long time. My sister lives there. My dad lives there. Oh. And to be invited, like, that's the thing I love about Nigerians as well. Like, because, I mean, neither of us can speak our languages, but they know, like, they're so proud. And I think they just see our surnames and they're just, like, so proud. So it's that diaspora thing. And it's like, they've invited us back and, like, it's just so it's just so nice for them to actually just be like yeah come we want to hear your like nigerian british story and i'm so looking forward to it because i've been to nigeria in ages and that's a good one yeah i'm really looking forward to it man definitely that will and to to think someone's actually paying for us to go out and to our home country other home country and talk about about the imposter syndrome be like this little book because it's not a little book but you know what i mean it just falls a lot and it's yeah thick very (laughs) thick but it's very overwhelming and like really honestly like yeah it's just a lot like really yeah. looking forward to it that sounds like it'll be really special yeah, yeah. very memorable we've never been to Nigeria together we've exactly. always wanted to go and we're like oh we need to save up and now we don't yeah. <laughs> I, I love how like things can just come out of Full nowhere circle, and then you're right? like that that's kind of cool right? that was always going to happen um, well thank you so much oh, thank you I didn't prepare us. any questions for this reason because I was like I just want <laughs> oh, this one yay. to be like so chatty um, but yeah where can people find the book I mean it's everywhere but just to remind <laughs> literally Amazon Foils Waterstones um, yeah any literally, good bookshop yeah. and online uh, HarperCollins um, website as well um, follow us on Slay in Your Lane across all the platforms we're very mm-hmm. consistent with our app so no underscores no underscores <laughs> it's Slay in Your Lane across all platforms it's so genius that and the <laughs> fact that you know you got it everywhere on yeah. yeah that's why we're like we coined it like, yeah, yeah exactly no, isn't that that's the thing because people be like yeah but we didn't, you didn't really coin it it's like yeah but how can we have the website we've got, exactly. we've got the dot com uk twitter facebook instagram we coined it yeah and I, I want merch yeah oh that's that's the other thing we're looking forward to the next business venture <laughs> We'll, in a year's time we'll do a follow up um, um, podcast <laughs> exactly <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, thank you so much guys thank, so, you, thank you so much thank you. Emma